All right, guys, we are in learning to walk, right? We've been doing kind of a series on what it looks like for a Christian. We get saved. We need to be able to move from that infancy, if you will, because we're brand new babies in the Lord. And we need to be able to move on from that into a mature walk in the Lord. And there's only one way I know of to be able to do that. And that's to know who God is. He's given us his uh, uh, autobiography, if you will. He's told us who he is. We get to understand and know who he is by his word. And uh, sometimes you might say, well, I'm not a reader. I get that. I was not much of a reader either. I remember in school that I would be so concerned with trying to read whatever it was I needed to read that comprehension, I wasn't, I wasn't getting it. I would just try to make sure that I read properly because I didn't want to come across as an idiot, right? So I would read properly. But then when it came to answering the questions about the context of what I, I read, um, I wouldn't get but about half of it. So I get that and I understand that, but I do know that God can change that in our life if we allow him to. And with the digital technology that we have today, you can get the entire Bible on, on, uh, digi in digital form on almost any device that you have. We uh, record everything that we do. We have the audio. We have the video. Pastor Chuck's stuff is still online. There's just so many ways to be able to learn the Word of God, because that's your sword, right? That's your sword. That, that's how we fight this battle, is knowing who our Father is. And if we know who He is intimately, then the enemy can't tell us any lies about Him, because we know how to stand and correct Him on that. Now, as we have been studying on this, how to walk, He's been covering different topics, topics as it pertains to life in general. This morning, he's going to be dealing with a subject that every single one of us has a problem with. I've never met anyone who doesn't have a problem with authority. If the authority is nice, and we like the authority, it's a little bit easier. Somebody comes in, would you please do this? Your boss comes in and says, hey, I need these by Friday. Could you get them done, please? You're going, yeah, you'll do almost anything to get those done. But if you have one that's not so nice, right, and he comes in and says, I need these by the end of the day, what's your reaction? <laughs> well, do them yourself then, right? There's just that thing inside of us that just kind of rebels. And so he's going to be dealing with that subject and that topic. A lot of times when you hear the word submission, you think it's just for the wife. It's not. All of us as Christians are under the authority of somebody. Mostly the Lord. We're under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so learning what that means truly, not just narrowing it down to just marriage. Yes, it applies to marriage, but not narrowing it down just to that. But making it go much higher than we think of it. It, it's, it solves a lot of issues in our life to know and understand that as Christians we are under the authority of Jesus Christ. But we willingly did that. Nobody twisted our arm to become born again. Nobody made us become a Christian. We became Christians because we wanted to. And we said, Lord, here's my life. 
I'll submit my life to you for a brand new one. We did that willingly, so we need to keep that in mind when we say we're under the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, I can't go into anything that deals with marriage without a couple of jokes or dad jokes regarding marriage. Okay, so here's a few. Marriages are made in heaven. Then again, so is thunder and lightning and tornadoes and hail. <laughs> okay. My wife says I never listen. Or something like that. <laughs> My wife told me to stop identifying as a flamingo. So I had to put my foot down. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> okay, I accidentally handed my wife a glue stick instead of chapstick. And she still isn't talking to me. <laughs> All right, guys. The word, the Greek word that we're dealing with, and you guys, if you've been here a while, you've heard me. You could probably quote it to me. But it's a Greek word called hupotasso. And uh, it basically means, it was a military term. And what it meant was to arrange like troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of the leader. Right? So in non-military terms, what it means is a volunteer, a voluntary, a voluntary attitude of giving in cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. That's extremely important that we get that. A voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. How many of you here ever played basketball, or football, or anything else? If you've got one guy on the team, and he thinks he can make every single shot, he's a danger to the team. Because anytime he gets the ball, guess what he's going to do? He doesn't think about the rest of the team. He thinks about himself and he thinks about his score. And this is exactly the opposite of this. This is submitting even though you may be the best shot on the team, or maybe not. But you say, hey, I've got a whole team here backing me up. And I need to be a part of that team. I need to play my part. So let's pray once again. Father, may you have your hand upon us this morning as we deal with this subject, deal with these things, as we learn how to walk in our walks and our marriages. And Father, it's got to happen at home. It, it, it needs to happen in our home or it, it just, it really can't go out further than that. And Lord, I know that in a lot of situations, husbands treat their wives horribly. And I know that in a lot of situations, wives treat their husbands horribly. Children treat their parents horribly. And Father, it's not always because we just are mean people. Sometimes we don't know how to act. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say and when to say it and when not to say it. But your word gives us all of that. You've been guiding us every step of the way on how we are to be and to let you work in our life to change us. So I pray that this morning would be no different, that you would work in our hearts and you would teach us what it means to lovingly realize we don't have all the answers and we're not always right. 
We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please look at verse 21 of chapter 5. Now, I go back up to verse 21 because this is really where it starts. A lot of times you'll have a husband say, you're supposed to submit to me. Well, what does it say in 21? Submitting to one another out of love and respect of the Lord. That's where it starts. No one likes a tyrant, male or female. No one likes anyone like that. No one likes anybody just barking out to them what to do or thinking that their opinion is always superior to everyone else's. No one likes that. So this is not, doesn't deal with male or female. Yes, we're going to deal with each one and their roles, but this one here, we have to go back to this one here and realize that it needs to be in loving relationship with each other, but a loving relationship with God. Now, I came from a family that didn't know the Lord. And I got to see a lot of this on both sides where neither one of them really knew how to act. And it didn't work for many of them. And you see a lot of people today trying to adopt the world's philosophy on what a marriage is, and they don't even really know what that is. A man doesn't know how to be a man. He thinks that if he acquiesces once in a while that he's, he's not really a man. He has to put his foot down. And, and then you have the ladies come along and maybe they've been bossed around all of their life and they're going, nobody's going to tell me what to do ever again. So <laughs> now, now you've got two people that, yes, they're in love. But love can be temporary in a marriage. It can get so bad that love doesn't mean anything anymore. So there has to be a willingness to say, the marriage comes first under the Lord. Not my opinion, necessarily. I don't have to win every battle. I don't know about you guys, but my wife and I always go different ways to get to the same place. Right? When you're driving, you have your route, he has his route. They all get you there in time. They get you to the same place. But how many fights have there been in, you're going the wrong way. You're not, you're not going my way. Whether that comes from the guy or comes from the gal. And if you're sitting at a corner and you're supposed to turn left and you don't, if you turn right, turn right, turn right, and turn right again, now you can turn left. Right? So you're still going to get there. You're still going to get there. It's not worth a fight. It's not worth arguing about. In the fear of the Lord. Now, he's letting us know that if we keep our focus on him, that's why he says out of respect, love, fear of the Lord. Because if we keep our focus on him instead of the person, it's a lot easier to be able to submit to the Lord. You cannot look horizontally and be willing to submit to that individual every time. That's not a loving relationship. That's slavery. 
But in Jesus Christ, he will give, if the two, the husband and the wife, are willing to follow what God wants them to do, they're both going to compromise from time to time. They're both going to, out of love and love for each other and love for the Lord, they're going to realize that their opinion, sometimes it's irrelevant. It's not worth it. Take the four or five right-hand turns and go, go back the other way. You know, do what needs to be done. In real life, every single one of us has authority over us. You're born into a family, you have parents that take care of you, and you have to submit to them to a certain point. God has an order. God is not the author of confusion. When you do what God tells us to do, it actually works. Who would have thought? But sometimes that requires a dying to the flesh. That requires a dying to our pride and our ego. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I want God's will in my life. I want God's order in my life. Because if I have God's order in my life, then there's peace in my life. And I think we all love that. Part of God's plan. If you look at Mark chapter 8, verse 5 through 10. It says, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is dying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion asked and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house under my roof. But if you'll just speak a word, I know my servant will be healed. And then this is the important, well, they're all important, but this one I underline, and that is, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. In other words, I fit somewhere in this chain of command. I have people under me, but I have people over me. And he's saying, basically, I know that if I give my men that are under me, that I have charge over, if I give them an order, they'll do it, because that's the way it works. And if I receive an order, I will do what I am told. That's the hupotasso. That's to place ourselves in an orderly fashion under someone for a higher cause, for a higher purpose. He says, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those who followed, assured, and you can see him turning back to the apostles, right? Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not in all of Israel. Jesus is impressed with this man's faith. He's impressed with his ability to be able to understand the chain of command, you will, the, if you will, the submission, the authority. He gets it. He knows he knows he's a part of the, of the chain of command, but he's not at the top. God's at the top of all of this. He knew that if Jesus just said it, it would be done. Because he knew Jesus was at the top of that chain. And he knew that if Jesus just said it, it had to be done under the authority of the Lord. It would be carried out. See, that's the, that's the heart Jesus wants us to have. If God said it, it is to be. 
If God wants this from me, he'll give me the ability to be able to do that. Doesn't matter what my home life was like. Doesn't matter what kind of abuse I may have had early in my life. It doesn't matter that if I have a, a, a hidden hate for someone of the opposite sex because somebody hurt me before. None of that matters. Because if I really look to the top of that, that's Jesus Christ. God can give me the ability to forgive. God can give me the ability to heal. And God can give me the ability to be able to do His will. Perhaps the whole submission thing would be easier to understand if put a different way. In Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Now, if you take that for what it is, he just, it wasn't the nails that put him on the cross. It wasn't the nails that held him on the cross. What held him on the cross? His love for us. And his will and his willingness to do the will of his Father. This had to be done in order for you and I to be forgiven, to be saved, and to have the Holy Spirit in our life. It needed to be done. He had all authority, he could have called down angels. He could have just, you know, bolts of lightning and fried everybody that was out there. He could have done it any other way, but he chose it in humility. I want you to think of the ways God could have announced all of this stuff. He could have announced it from heaven, right? A big boom, lightning going on, everybody in the world hearing the same voice of the Lord saying, I am Jesus Christ. You will do what I ask you to do. But he didn't do that. He chose humility, and that needs to exist in a marriage. There's got to be the humility in a marriage. One of you is not better than the other one. I don't care if you have a higher IQ or not. You're not any better. You're going to be sometimes right, and you're going to be wrong sometimes. And if you will listen to your spouse, sometimes they have incredible insight into things that you don't yet that you don't pick up. We get married and we think, you know what? I, and I don't think we do this consciously, but we, we kind of subconsciously want to change our spouse into a little version of us. God forbid. We want them to think like us. We want them to do everything that we do the way we do it. And then when that finally happens, they don't like them anymore. It's true. It's true. But if you just listen and you realize that God created that person, that's his son or daughter. This is important. That's his son or daughter. He loves them more than you do. And you should treat them with the respect of God's daughter or God's son. Now you're going, well, this is impossible. No, not with Jesus. 
but it is impossible as a human being. Because they don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We're just human and we make mistakes. We do things we shouldn't do. We say things that we shouldn't say. But here's Jesus with all the authority that's given to him on heaven and earth. And he puts that down. He lays that down. In order that he might go to the cross. To save us. So the point is this, the mutual loving submission that Christians should have for each other, it's God's order. <laughs> that's, what, that's what God wants for us. It's not beneath us. It's what we need to be able to make it work. Is God. Come August, Becky and I will have been married 50 years. Thank you. That's a long time for that poor woman to have to put up with me. <laughs> but I think she would agree. It was, it's only God. It's only been the Lord that can humble you and make you go back in and say, hey, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't, you know, I was a little controlling on that and I'm sorry that I've, I've been that way. But guys, it's not just in marriage. The entire universe is... This hupotasso applies to everything in the universe. Everything is in God's order, the way God made it. Everything is in submission to the Lord. You can, break, you can talk to scientists, and they can break it down so far, and then they can say, but I don't know why this does this. I don't know why this holds together. I don't know why this. I don't know why this. I don't know why this. They know a lot of things, but when it comes down to creation, they don't know much about it at all. Because they don't know the creator. When this gets out of order, what do we call it? When nature gets out of order, what do we call it? A disaster. Is your marriage a disaster? When nature rages, we call it a, a, a natural disaster. Well, when we submit to the world's way of doing things, we also call it a natural disaster. It wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't what God intended. But that's the way that it is right now. It's been said that many divorces are caused by the marriage of two people who are in love with themselves. Think about that. Two people who are in love with themselves. And you know, it seems to get worse. I don't know if social media has done this or not, but the thought, the thought of submitting to someone else out of love for God is like, pff, I'm not submitting to anyone. I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't need a man. No, you probably don't, but that's not the point. There is a role that a man plays in God's creation. There's a role that a woman plays in God's creation. He made them both male and female. There's a reason for that. We have a part to play in this great, grand scheme of things, if you will. We can get so selfish in a marriage. 
We can get so selfish. Well, you get to do this, and I don't get to do that. Well, you don't realize how much I work and how much I do and how much, well, do you, have you thought about how much I do? Have you thought about how hard it is for the opposite, for the other person, for the things that they go through, for the stuff that they have to do on a day-to-day basis? When Beck and I first got married, we would fight over the fact that whoever got to go out to lunch that week, and the other person had to take a sack lunch. Well, you get to go out once a while. And we were learning. And we were growing. But in a good marriage, you're happy for the other person. In a good marriage, you're doing everything you can to try to help that person be the best individual that they can possibly be. To bloom, to shine. To be all that God created them to be. You're not holding them back. You're not reining them in. You're telling them they're awesome. You're telling them that they're wonderful. You're telling them that they're beautiful or they're handsome. You're telling them things that will help them bloom. Help them to be who God created them to be. That's what we should be doing. But why don't we do that? It's funny. A guy will meet a girl and think she's the most beautiful thing in the world. And then he'll get married to her and later he's putting her down because he doesn't want anybody else to think she's awesome. He thought she was awesome and he married her. But now he doesn't want anybody else to think she's awesome. Now there's rules. There's guidelines. But we shouldn't be doing that to our spouse. Now look at what it says in verse 22. Ladies, here's where I'm going to lose you. But by the way, Pastor, da- Pastor Dan has to get what the husband's role is next week. So you're going you're to get that side. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. What do you pick out in that verse? Now obviously the submit, right? Because we've been talking about that. But what's the other word in there that, that gets you? Your own husband. Why is it so much easier to submit to somebody else's husband at work? Well, you don't know my husband. No, but I know who I am. And I know that we can be jerks sometimes. But ladies, so can you. We can be horrible to each other sometimes. But submit to your own husbands. Now, if we can do that to someone else's husbands, if a wife can submit to somebody else's husband at work, why can't, you can do it at home. You can do that too. Well, I'm not a slave. That's not, that's not it. You're missing the point. The point is, is being loving, being kind. Not always having to have the last word. Not always having your opinion has to be given at every single thing. Sometimes just acquiescing and saying, yeah, let's do that. I can't think of a quicker way for anyone to learn to not do something than to have to live the consequences of doing something they did wrong. Most men are not stupid. You know, they put that hand in the fire and they got second degree burns. They're probably going to be a little worried about fire from that time on. Probably not going to put their hand back in that fire. 
again. Since this accident, I find myself going through an intersection like a little bit leery after that. Sometimes husbands have to make a mistake. They don't know how to be husbands. Sometimes wives have to make a mistake. They don't know how to be wives. Sometimes we have to do something and realize that that was not the best way to do it. But I think something that's amazingly wonderful for all of us, male and female, is to go back and say, you know, you were right. You were right, I I shouldn't have done that. And I'll do my best to listen a little more. Maybe a little bit better. So basically what's happening here is we're being asked, ladies are being asked to give their husbands the same loving respect that they do the Lord. Actually, it is because of the Lord. You know, ladies, the number one thing that a husband needs in his marriage, and Scripture will tell you this, respect. Respect your husbands. Later it's going to say, respect your husbands. So many times you'll, you'll hear a conversation and either the husband or the wife will be putting their wife down, whether it's by a joke or whatever. And uh, it's even worse when it's serious. They just, they just want to feel like they're the only man in your life, that, that they are your hero. And I know that might, might sound a little antiquated, but it's the truth. We want to feel like out of all the men in the universe, you chose us and you're happy that you did. That means, that means the world to us. Then later, he's going to turn around and say, husbands, love your wives as Christ did the church. I would say he was pretty committed to that, wouldn't you? The only way you can do that, ladies, is to love and trust the Lord more than you do your husband. He's fallible. He's going to make mistakes. But God never makes a mistake. Like that Roman centurion, she has enough have enough faith to know that God has given her and her husband a role to play while we live on this earth. And it's for God's glory. He's glorified in that kind of marriage because that's his heart. All authority had been given to him, but he laid it down. It's like he took that robe of glory off and he came to earth and became a human being and suffered because he loves you. Husbands, love your wives in the same way. That submitting to your own husband. You got to at least ask yourself the question, why is it easier for me to submit to someone else's husband at work and not mine at home? And you might say, well, it's, it's my job. Well, this is much higher calling than a job. This is much more important than a job. Jobs come and go. Jesus is forever. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife and also Christ is the head of the church as he is the savior of the body. Now it's starting to sound even worse, ladies. 
as pastor, I've had people leave the church when I got to these verses. Serious, I have. Because of a misunderstanding of what the Lord is saying. It's like the man from Oklahoma that admitted he lied on his income tax return. He listed himself as the head of the household. I'll wait for that one to you. How many men are not the head of their household? Ladies, you're not supposed to be the head of the household. I didn't write it. I didn't come up with the plan. But it's my job to give you the truth of what the, the gospel says. That is not all blessings. If you're the boss at work and somebody gets to take the blame, who gets the blame? The boss. Yeah, maybe he might try to shove it to somebody that's underneath him, but it basically comes back down to the boss. When you call up and you want customer service and they've run you around all day, what do you say? Let me talk to a supervisor. Let me talk to the boss. Being the boss is not all it's cracked up to be. Because the boss is going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, what did you do with my daughter? What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? How did you treat my daughter? And how did you deal with the life that I gave you? Now, ladies, I understand why this might sound a little strange. Don't like the idea of her husband having that kind of authority over her at all. But please, let's go back to the very first verse that I gave you. If your husband is trying to be a godly husband, he's not going to be like that. That's not the kind of man he's going to be. He's not going to be the kind of man that just barks out orders and expects you to say, yes, sir, no, sir. That's not the kind of man that he's going to be. But I think most of us have trouble with authority, like I said at the very beginning. We have bosses that some are easy to get along with, some are not. But it's not because of the husband, it's because of Jesus. I do this because this is what God has called me to do. The word head that is used there is, has several different meanings in relationship to the body. It's the center of awareness, at least in the brain, in the body. It's the center of awareness for male and female, right? Metaphorically speaking, it's used when people that are considered to be master or lord. Now, please understand, the word master and lord was just a term of respect. Sarah called her husband, Abraham, she called him lord. Not because she was groveling on the ground. It was just a sign of respect. That's what, they, that's what they did. We use the term mister. Out of respect. Miss or missus. A term of respect. You don't have to call your husband Lord. But you do need to show him respect. 
Because treating him without the respect means you're disrespecting that God put him in your life. There's, that, there's those moments where you're going, why would God allow this woman in my life? Why would God allow this man in my life? Well, you did it. <laughs> you picked them. Out of everybody in the world out there, you picked them. It's like kids. You decided to have them. And they're all just cuddly and sweet. I got, had a picture of my little granddaughter, and she had cankles, you know, when they're little and they're chubby, and, and their knees turn into ankles, and ankles turn into knees, and it's so stinking cute. You know, but they turn into teenagers. And if you're a teenager, I don't mean that as a put down. I'm just saying that's a rough time. That is a difficult time because you're trying to figure out who you are, what you want, trying to think for yourself, and yet, you know, you, you want everything, but you provide nothing. Now, I don't mean that. I, I know you're thinking, well, it sure sounds bad to me. Uh, you, don't, you don't earn any, any income. You don't bring it into the family. You have to be fought to get you to clean up your room. You, you won't mow the yards. You don't do the laundry half the time. You won't do the dishes. So it's like... You know, you're there by grace, <laughs> you're there by love, you're there by respect, and you, and you have a mom or a dad or both who do just about everything for you. But let me say this, and please hear what I'm saying, it's not all your fault, you're a teenager, that's, that's what happens when you're trying to figure out who you are. And it's during those times we want everything, but we have no resources to buy anything. We want our own car. We want to drive. We want to uh, stay out till midnight. We want to do all these things. We want all these freedoms, but we really are not ready for them yet. And if you're in that spot, thank God that you're not ready for them yet. It'll come too soon. It'll come too soon. You have your own car and realize now you have to work for the rest of your life because you got a payment. You'll get your own par apartment and realize now you're stuck. It'll come soon enough. But you are required to respect your parents. Jesus, you and I have to look so much further than just the personal relationships. Jesus is the head of the church, right? He was under submission to his father. As it goes up the chain, we're all under submission. And ultimately, if we're Christians, we're in submission to God. Truly. Now, I know that a lot of Christians aren't. A lot of people who call themselves Christians, God is there sometimes and not other times. And, you know, Sundays, maybe midweek, once in a while, you know, it's there. We're conscious of him. But in reality, throughout the rest of the week, sometimes we don't even think about him. But a true born-again Christian is in submission to God. It's no longer my will, but Father's will be done. So we're all under that roof, that authority, if you will. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone 
of my life. Jesus is the cornerstone of every Christian's life. Everything must be built on that and around that. That's where the stability comes from. And I have to say this. It doesn't matter how I feel. Because there's going to be times when I don't feel like it. There's going to be times in our lives where we don't feel like being nice. There's going to be times when we don't feel like showing respect to the husband. There's going to be times when we don't feel like loving our wife and showing love to our wife. That's just going to happen. Kids, young people, there's going to be times when you don't feel that love and respect for your parents. Your feelings don't matter. Nah, let me take that back. They do matter. They're real. They're honest. They do matter. But you have to take those feelings and realize sometimes they're false. Sometimes they lie to you and tell you you should react a certain way when that's the very way you should not react. We have to, and it's a growing process. I need to say this, it is a growing process. You don't get there overnight. You will be working on these things for your entire life to try to know who God is and understand who God is. And understand that gentleness is not weakness. He was gentle at the cross. But he was in no way, shape, or form weak. Humility is power under control. And there's sometimes we just need to bide our time. Do what God has told us to do. And know that in the end it's all going to work out to be good. There's that Romans 8, 28 and 29 that I forgot again, right? It's all going to work out good if we do what God asks us to do. Jesus laid down his own life for his wife, for his bride. I'd say that's pretty committed. And you know, he gives us a list of things that will make our life easier, but he doesn't make us do them. Why do husbands feel like they have to make their wife submit? If you married a godly woman or if she's doing her best to submit to the will of God, she's going to be growing in this area too. And she's going to be taking the things that she struggles with back to the Lord also. When you have two people that become one in Jesus Christ, man, you have a mediator. <laughs> you have a counselor. But I must warn you, when you go to God in prayer, be prepared. Because he's probably going to tell you to grow up. Not your wife. Not your spouse. After you get off your knees praying about the situation, complaining to God about what's going on, you're going to get up and go in the other room and expect that God has completely changed that woman or that guy. You know who he's going to change? He's going to change you. He's going to change you. Because the reality of it is you cannot change anyone else. 
You can't change them. For you younger folks here, and you're dating, and you think that they're going to change for the good after you get married, you are wrong. Unless they truly commit their life to Jesus Christ, then they will change. But you won't change them. You can't change them. So if you're dating, thinking about marriage, don't ignore the signs. Don't ignore the signs. Don't think, well, it'll be different after. No, it won't. Not unless they truly become born again. So why take the chance? Why not marry one that is born again? One that already loves the Lord. Because you're playing Russian roulette with your life if you marry someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ, hoping that one day they will give their life to the Lord. Does it happen? Absolutely, it does. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. But it doesn't mean that it will happen. Okay, verse 24. Therefore, based on everything that's already been said, just as the church is subject to Christ, right? There would be no church without Jesus. So just as the church is subjected to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Everything? In everything except if they're asking you to do something ungodly. I don't think the, the scriptures or God requests the wife to do something that she knows is sin just because the husband wants her to do it. I think that's the time you can stand up and say, I love you, but you can't ask me to do this. Because my submission is not just to you, but it's to God. And God has already told me what is right and what is wrong. And I just simply cannot do this. I love you and I will love you, but you can't, I can't cross this line. This is not something I'm supposed to do. Okay, I'll close with this. Christian behavior really starts in the home. Our home needs to be a place. And yes, your kids are probably going to rebel about it. If you have a godly Christian home, they're going to think you're uh, archaic. They're going to think you're too hard on them. They're going to think all those things. But I can tell you from experience, they will grow up one day and thank you that you loved them enough to try to raise them in the Lord. Because they're going to see things out there in the world. They're going to see it in their own life. Because they're going to try other ways to live. And they're going to be miserable and there's going to be a time when they say, you know what, mom and dad were right. Mom and dad were right. So we'll close with this. Husbands, look out for next week. <laughs> Father, we love you. We come to you humbly and ask that you would change us. Lord, some of us have been a way for so long. Maybe we didn't have an ex a good example of what a marriage was. Maybe we've learned a lot of really lousy habits. Maybe we picked up a real worldly view of what it means to be married, to, be, to, to not submit. This world tells everybody, don't submit to anyone. Be your own person. Do your own thing. You don't need anyone. Well, we do need each other. 
And that's why there's so many angry people. There's so many lost people because they haven't, they don't know true love. But Father, I just pray that you'd teach us, help us to grow, help us to realize that the world's not our home anymore. If we've given our life to you, it's just not our home. And we need to know who you are. Father, guide us. Father, guide us and direct us on the things that we should be, the things that we should do in Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.